I don't know if you remember in 2013, this is a good place to start. In 2013, there was a factory that collapsed in uh, Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. So in, in, you know, reading up uh, before this podcast, I was reading about this factory collapse. And, you know, I remember when it happened and I remember that people were outraged and rightfully so. Um, but, you know, I found out, you know, earlier today, and like I said, in doing my research, so the cracks in that building were actually found the day before. Um, and the building owners like ignored warnings um, and made the garment workers go to work, right? Like they forced them to work. Um, and so, you know, over a thousand people died because of that. And, you know, I think it was over 2,500 people were injured uh, non-fatally. So then, you know, if they were forced to work, we kind of have to look into the conditions of these places that they're working. And it's like, oftentimes they're working with no breaks. They're working extremely long shifts, um, for, you know, extremely low wages. Um, while, you know, the CEOs and founders of these fast fashion companies are making bank, right? Like, And even if they're made in the U.S., like people think that, you know, factories in the U.S. are better. Um, There is actually a popular brand. I don't even know if they're a thing anymore, Um, but they touted themselves in the early 2000s as like, you know, sustainably made, like no sweatshops. I saw their factory in Los Angeles with my own eyes. And I remember thinking then, even without knowing all of these things, I remember thinking like, damn, that doesn't look very good. Like, I don't think I would want to work there and say it was a good place to work. Right. So in, again, in and, doing and, research, and, good, and when they say like, good, like good for who, like they're thinking about poor people. Like exactly. And in the U S especially yeah. a lot of them are based in, in Los Angeles. And then it's like, yeah, we get like extremely impoverished people, like potentially like undocumented immigrants, um, just a whole slew of, you know, very marginalized populations. Um, so there's actually a current brand that is, you know, also, you know, has factories in Los Angeles. Um, and I came across an article just in December, the New York times reported that they owe millions of dollars in back wages to employees at these factories in LA. Right. And so when you say modern day slavery, like when, when you say slavery, people think of, you know, slavery in the U S right. Um, but that's not necessarily what it, always is right so it could be the factory workers um also i am amanda hansen and welcome to the women disrupted podcast i like to use the word disruption to describe a change that displaces or replaces the status quo in this podcast i hope you'll be able to disrupt your thoughts beliefs and maybe even your life i believe that disruption is good even when it is hard I will share tidbits of how myself and others have handled disruption, whether we have chosen it or the universe chose it for us. There will be debates on hot topics and stories of women who choose disruption to change their lives and the lives of others. Are you ready for a little disruption? Enjoy the ride. So welcome to today's podcast episode. We are diving into the topic of slow versus fast fashion. And I brought on a guest. Her name is Courtney. Uh, we have never met <laughs> before other than some chats through through Instagram. I bought something from her Instagram <laughs> business and we'll dive into that soon as well. 
Um, but today we're going to dive in and talk about, you know, slow versus fast fashion. What are the cons of fast fashion? What are maybe some alternatives to fast fashion? And what are some challenge? And what are some of those challenges that it might present to people? Even those alternatives, right? Like fast mm-hmm. fashion's around for a reason, exactly. Um, and there might be some challenges in shifting that. And then I also want to kind of dive into like who's responsible for this change. And I think that could be an interesting topic as well. So before we dive in, I want to just do a little bit of an introduction on, on who Kurt, Courtney is. She sent me her bio, and I was like, "Man, this woman has lived like a full life. Like I want." Her- <laughs> <laughs> wow no. like so- I've just moved around a lot <laughs> yeah. and I guess I think that's it because I I haven't I've mm-hmm. moved in New Brunswick but I've never not lived in New Brunswick and okay. that's that's one aspect of my life that I want to experience at some point mm-hmm. and if I hadn't become a mom at 21 I would mm-hmm. like to think I would have done that but being a young mom um it was never something that I felt I mean I completely well no I couldn't have done it because I really wasn't with my son's father a whole lot mm-hmm. <laughs> amount of time so like I couldn't I couldn't leave my son and yeah, I couldn't of course, yeah. away from his you father did, so, yeah. so I was like stuck mm-hmm. not stuck like it wasn't it wasn't being stuck but I was like I had no other choice I couldn't move away mm-hmm. so like even when I when I did my master's degree like I was limited in what master's I could take because I couldn't move away for a few years and back right. then I mean there was I mean I there was online, but not to the availability there is now. Yeah. And so I was limited in what master's degree that I could choose and, and how to do that. But anyway, getting off topic. So <laughs> Courtney Figler, did I, did I pronounce your last yep, name right? That's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Is a social worker by day yep. and a vintage and pre-loved clothing slinger by night. I like that. <laughs> And so Courtney has been intrigued and involved in political and activist circles for 10 plus years with a particular interest in modern day slavery in its various forms. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I think we need to talk about that at some point. I was going to say, it depends on how political you want to make this because I can go down some very deep roads. (laughs) I am political through and through. Um, And so you've worked as a social worker in the capacity in three provinces in Athens, Greece. Yeah. Which is freaking cool. And you've worked (laughs) with various populations, including like refugees, immigrants, incarcerated individuals and others. And so Mm -hmm. it's been a goal of yours for a long time to do a social enterprise, which is what your business is, the the kindness closet. Mm -hmm. It's on Instagram. You can find it there. Well, I'll I'll make sure that all of your, that that's tagged in the show notes. Um, and so you've always wanted to start a social enterprise to provide education and employment to those with barriers. Um, and you decide this in early, in early, what, what was it last year? So yeah, it was early 2021, um, that I finally kind of gave myself the kick and actually started it instead mm-hmm. of, you know, brainstorming idea. various ideas over the years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so you launched the Kindness Closet, which is a size-inclusive online shop selling pre-loved clothing um, in accessible and affordable prices. And you don't just yeah. you don't just sell clothes, too. You but I know. So yeah, so that's something holders. new. Mm-hmm. I've started branching into like I had um, a graphic design student for a little bit, so she had designed me some stickers. Um, she was my intern, sorry. Um, so I was selling those, um, and now I've kind of started to branch into like 
home decor and stuff like that. Like I have so much like admiration for some of the thrifters on Instagram and like mm-hmm. the furniture they get. I'm not ever going to do that. I'm sticking to the core. Um, but yeah. I have some plans on how I'm going to kind of work that into the whole social enterprise idea. Some things that I haven't really talked about. I don't want to make them public just yet. No, no, that's fine. Um, but I have lots of ideas. It's ever evolving. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're currently, so your business right now is currently in fundraising mode yes. um, with some educational workshops and other community initiatives that you plan to launch the next coming months. Yeah. So, which is interesting when I read that again, I don't want to like go completely off of our topic, yeah. <laughs> but when I first had my business idea to start Simply Stylish, mine, how I envisioned my head was a little bit more like a social enterprise, not at its core, but what I envisioned originally was that I would work with all these women mm-hmm. and all the clothes that they weren't wearing, I would take it off of like, after like I've gone in, we've done an audit and I've worked with my clients and I would, I would keep all of the clothes that they donated. Yeah. And then I wanted to kind of like house them and then donate the clothes in my time to work mm-hmm. with women who are coming out of incarceration. Mm-hmm. And I know those women are leaving with what they went in with. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, cause they, you know, their bodies have changed after they've been incarcerated because yeah. they're no longer addicted to drugs. If, if that was part of why they were in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they don't, they're coming out of um, incarceration with no clothing on their back, or there's women who had to leave an abusive relationship and had to leave everything behind um, or women who just didn't, didn't have the privileged life that, that I was lucky to have. Um, and I want to donate my time and those clothes to those women locally. Mm-hmm. And I remember like when I presented this idea, I was in a program that kind of like helped me make my business plan and all that. They're like, I love the idea, but like, you need to make money first. <laughs> like, You need to make money first. Yeah. And, like, even four years later, I'm still not at that point. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's hard. And then I was like, logistics. I'm like, where am I going to hold all of these clothes. And And that's, that's what I'm coming up against right now. Um, you know, I do have a program right now where I give, um, interview, uh, outfits to women. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, if they've been out of the workforce for however Mm -hmm. long, or even if they've been in the workforce, but they just lack, you know, what we, deem as you know quote professional unquote right. clothing um so I do have that and I've thought about you know in the future like doing like what you were saying like mm. with women who are leaving abusive uh relationships um and you know doing like little packages for them but it comes down to the space and it also is. the money <laughs> which is why I'm branching out a bit <laughs> yeah space time money it, that's a whole other business and I was just yeah. like I don't like, I've never started a business before. I'm like, I'm not ready to take that on. Yeah. And so as my business has evolved over four years, like I'm at this point where I'm not actually working with most, most of my clients aren't local. Yeah. So I'm not even getting these clothes anymore. And so then I, I, I'm thinking of other ways. How do I give back in other ways? And I Mm -hmm. already have a plan for that. So obviously Mm -hmm. it's not going to be a social enterprise. That's that just logistically wasn't going to work. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is high up on my business awesome. values. Yeah. Like part of my strategy is going to be um, pricing models. So it's going to be a sliding scale. Yep. So that if so you important. identify with this bucket, then this is the cost yeah. to you. If you identify in this bucket, then this is the regular cost. If you identify this bucket and you have all this, you can pay extra. Mm-hmm. You can pay extra to help. And so that's how I want to do it. But then also, a percentage of my 
profits go to a specific charity as well. And I'm, I'm still kind of working that out. All yeah. That's so awesome. I mean, when I first found your page, like I was so excited. I hadn't even really like I had only ever thought of like styling, personal styling for people who are like, mm-hmm. you know, rich and famous. Yeah. Right. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, you know, it's a local stylist. And then to see that you were like so progressive in your politics and your ideas and like to hear this is like, it's really exciting for me. So that, yeah, that sounds really awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So enough about business. Yeah. <laughs> we could have a whole other episode for that. <laughs> Let's talk about slow versus fast fashion. So I guess let's talk about definitions because I don't think this is a new concept, but maybe somebody who's listening to the episode might be like, I heard of it, but I don't quite understand it. What are the differences Mm -hmm. between slow and fast fashion? And we don't have to get like Google out. Anybody can go and Google, but I guess kind (laughs) of like, I'm curious, like what is your definition of slow versus fast fashion? Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to fast fashion, as I know it anywhere, or as Mm -hmm. I think about it, like it really wasn't a thing before like the early 2000s. Um, And I would just say that fast fashion for me, like it really comes down to the amount um, and also the rate of production, or I guess, so the amount they produce and the rate of production. Um, Just because like, you know, there's some companies out there that will do like thousands of new styles, like every week, right. Or every month. So like that to me would be fast fashion, right. When they're producing on such an enormous scale, whereas slow fashion, um, I guess would be the opposite of that, but it would be more environmentally, uh, friendly. It would be, you know, more, uh, friendly to, you know, respecting human rights as, you know, as you mentioned earlier, the modern day slavery comment, uh, with fast fashion, that's a big problem. Um, you know, slow fashion could also be, you know, local brands, uh, it could be like a, a local business, right? So right. it could be either like one single person making their own clothing line. Um, it could be like a little team. Like I know there's actually like a Canadian brand out in Vancouver, Nettles Tail, um, and they have like a little factory in Vancouver, right? So it's like uh, they make smaller collections, uh, you know, with a bigger size range though, um, just because they've made that, they you know, can, they commitment. can make them almost like, to produce as needed where exactly you know, in, in how we see it now everything is mass produced and most of the times unlimited sizing mm-hmm. so it's all produced in hopes that somebody's going to buy it versus hey this is the designs and the fabrics we offer you order it and then we'll make it to order exactly. now, that i'm sure provides a lot of challenges to that business yeah we have fast fashion for a reason because exactly. we have a capitalist culture and yeah. it's all about the bottom dollar and how much money, nothing like there's nothing wrong with making money, but it's when we want to be a slave to making money, you know, <laughs> and, and the costs of that well, exactly. for humanity, like, you know, like something that people often wonder when it comes to fast fashion, like, um, you know, for people, um, in the millennial generation, I guess, I think our, uh, fast fashion brand would have been forever 21. Um, so people would ask like, you know, how are they able to sell it so cheap? Right. And how are people still making money? I mean, someone, someone at the top is always making money. So, you know, how is this still happening? Like what's really happening to allow that. Right. Um, and that's where we get into the tricky stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, slow fashion is, is an alternative to actually just it's, it's slowing down production mm-hmm. and it's also encouraging us to slow down our buying. 
Yes, exactly. We don't always have that instant gratification, Mm -hmm. right? We're so used to just like, I'm going to go to old Navy and I can instantly have access to jeans and Mm t-shirts and whatever, you know, again, like I like convenience. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Like, yeah. But, but again, then you have to start asking these questions at what cost? It will exactly. Right. And it's like, like you said, like with slow fashion, um, you know, typically the prices are a bit higher, right? Mm -hmm. But the quality of the items are much, much better than a lot of fast fashion brands. So like, yes, like even myself, like, you know, I'll see like a sustainable brand selling a black t-shirt for 50 bucks and, you know, it kind of like pings me in the heart a little, right? But, you know, when you think, really think about that, like, where did the fabric come from? Who put it together? Like there's so many steps there, right? I went on a, like a popular fast fashion brand today and like the cheapest thing they had on their website was uh, 1.8 pounds, which is about $3 and 10 cents. And it was a a red t-shirt, but it's like, so when you think about that, it's like, there's two items here. You have one, one t-shirt being sold for 50 and one being sold for three and they look kind of the same. So yeah, where, what's happening behind the scenes really is what it comes down to. What is the cost? Yeah. And you know, there's to me, all of the benefits of slow, like there's just, there's no, I think slow fashion, there's lots of benefits going forward. Mm -hmm. The only kind of negative is the increase in price Mm -hmm. for, for those who maybe don't have access to as much money. And that's where my, my head first goes is like, you know what? Like, this is how my head goes is like, we can't just eliminate all fast fashion, like from Mm -hmm. society, because there's going to be a huge amount of people who don't have the financial means to support a $50 t-shirt. Of course. Right. And so, you know, we have, if we're going to disrupt the systems, um, it's going to take a while because people first off, like they just can't afford to buy. Yeah. I'm a firm believer that nothing is ever revolutionary if it's inaccessible to the poor. Right. Um, I think there's a meme that says that somewhere that floats around every so often, but yeah, like fast fashion, exactly. Like it makes fashion accessible to the masses, right. Which was not really ever a thing back when people were paying and keeping a dress for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. Um, Or making their own dress. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, and also when it comes to like size accessibility, that's a whole other tangent I could go on as a plus size woman myself. Um, And I recognize there as well, like it is definitely a privilege as someone in small plus sizes, like that Mm -hmm. I can shop in sustainable stores or at thrift stores. Right. So there's certainly those intersections that need to be looked at for sure. And it is changing. Like I'm finding new brands all the time that Mm -hmm. a big part of their values is sustainability, ethic, you know, making ethically made clothes. Um, And they're offering, I I think I saw a company going up to like 15 X or something that like that. Mm -hmm. It was like, wow. Like Mm -hmm. you don't see that a whole like often. And I just think, you know, we are getting there. It's just going to happen slowly over time. Yeah. Um, And what was I going to say? I, I'm having all these thoughts, but like they're going out. Oh yeah. My brain is spinning. So I feel you. <laughs> well, just cause we could take like so many aspects to and this. That's, you know, 
just again not to get too off tangent yeah. but like literally just before the episode I was talking to my partner I mean like I don't know which roads to take this down because I could take it down so many like this has been a topic that I've been passionate about in you know not in fast fashion specifically but, mm. but about sweatshops and and you know again modern day slavery like you said at the beginning so it's like it's been a long time brewing in my mind I have a lot to say well then let's let's dive into that because there was a brand that um it was called Peekaboo Beans. It was a Canadian brand mm-hmm. and they, they made and sold children's clothes. And so that was kind of my first, well, actually my first dive into kind of slowing down my buying and being more purposeful and thoughtful about fabrics and chemicals and all of that was when I decided to cloth diaper my daughter. Mm-hmm. And she's nine. So this was nine years ago. I knew nothing about cloth diapering. I know I was cloth diaper, but that was back like, in the most old people day. were or I don't yeah <laughs> well, I don't even know I wasn't I was born in the 90s so I can't be a judge yeah, I was I was born in 79 so. yeah <laughs> um and so it was you know I wanted something I didn't want to buy diapers and toss them all the time the idea of the amount of diapers it was just unfathomable to me mm-hmm. how much waste that provided no judgment absolutely of course, yeah. no judgment towards those who do I I, I diapered like I bought pampers for my son who I had mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Like I didn't do cloth diapering with him. I didn't even like cross my mind that it was a possibility. Yeah. But with my daughter, I started to see other moms doing it. I'm like, I really like this idea. And so it was the first time I kind of started to think of slowing down consumption, um, you know, something that's easily consumable and you toss it. And then this brand called Peaky Beans, it's called Peaky Beans now. And I used to buy a lot of the clothes for my daughter because it wasn't chemically treated. Mm-hmm. So I knew that, you know, there wasn't any toxins going, going into her body. Um, and I, I had the privilege to be able to do that. I recognize mm-hmm. that. And she made that she designed the, the designer designed the clothes so that it grew with your child. And so your item would last like four years versus one oh, season. Wow. That's so, so cool. Like my daughter still has these, she still wears them and my daughter's nine and she would have been wearing them like three or four years ago. Yeah. So that was like my first kind of, I starting to think about slowing things Mm -hmm. down and yes, it was more expensive, but I was like, you know what, what makes more sense in my head is I'd rather spend, you know, $50 or $40 or $30 on a pair of leggings for her that was going to last her three years versus something Mm -hmm. that you know, then I start to look at, you know, cost per wear and longevity and starting to just shift and think about clothes in a new way. And so kind of like the concept that we mentioned before we talk into modern day slavery, because I do want to get there. (laughs) Yes. Like it is really hard to afford a $50 t-shirt, but if you were to think about, and you know, again, I I live a privileged life, so I don't want to speak at a turn. (laughs) You know, obviously if you can, if your t-shirts are $5, you have eight, you know, you have like, you could buy eight of them Mm -hmm. versus spending all that money on like one. I like, I get that. But if we can maybe even start to think at least maybe of those who have the privilege, start to think like, I might only have one t-shirt or two t-shirts that cost a little bit more and they're going to last me longer. They're going to be more purposeful. I'm going to spend more time Mm -hmm. thinking about it. And I can wear these a lot versus Mm -hmm buying eight t-shirts. And then honestly, in my experience, you're going to buy eight t-shirts. You're probably only going to wear three of them on a regular basis. Like, yeah, 
And also the ones that you wear that you spend $5 on, you'll probably only get, you know, yeah. two or three wears out of them before they're three sizes too small and they become a bed shirt in my experience. <laughs> right. And then you have to keep buying more and more yeah. and more. And then when you start to compare and contrast cost, you're kind of like, it's kind of not all that different. The, the difference really being is if you don't have access to funds, you can't just go and buy a whole new wardrobe if it's all sustainable mm-hmm. fashion. Like that's just not. And so, you know, but I think, I think we can start thinking about our purchases and longevity, not having, you know, instant gratification, taking a little bit longer to build a wardrobe. Obviously, mm-hmm. I still believe your wardrobe needs to support your life. I don't want women to feel frustrated when they get no, dressed. No, of course, yeah. Um, but slowing that down a little bit. And then there's the aspect of like, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. You know, don't want to diss fashion bloggers because they absolutely serve a great purpose. Like, mm-hmm. it's amazing that women can find a fashion blogger out there that has the same body shape as her and mm-hmm. see what clothes actually look yeah, like on, on another yeah. human being. Like, there's so many benefits to that, but some of the downfall is it's constantly pushing these clothes and people are like, say, and I, I need to buy it. I need to have know. that. I need to have that. I'm in, I'm in this woman's like local secondhand clothing mm-hmm. Facebook group. And I'm constantly seeing all of these influencer clothes being sold there. I think it's great. I think it's great that they're selling within each other. They're reusing it. It's awesome. But I'm like, how many women are being influenced to buy yeah. these things that they don't really want or need or that or need, yeah. And so there's then there's that aspect. So anyway, yeah. it's, it's so nuanced. <laughs> no, I know it's really, really so nuanced. And like, yeah, like I have a whole page of notes here about influencer culture and how you know it's very connected with fast fashion. But but yeah, like it really doesn't come down to the influencer; it's the companies, right? It's the companies so, that are paying them that are making us seem or making us think that yeah. we need all these things to be cool. And like you said, to keep up with the Joneses, I had that yeah. exact uh, phrase written in my book. <laughs> It is. And we see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was going for a walk the other day and I was walking down. So my, our, my, we bought our house maybe eight or nine years ago and we have a tiny little yard in our front yard. And I don't give a shit <laughs> about my grass. Yeah. <laughs> and we let That's our more lawn, important things to worry about. We let our lawn die. Yeah. We had like three huge ant hills. But it did, it got to the point where my daughter's like, mom, like, I want to play on my lawn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. But like, we were the dead lawn and we see all of these beautiful lawns around us. And I still would, feel, even though I'm like very much like, screw you, I'm not doing something just to fit in. But you feel yeah. that pressure of like, well, everybody else has a nice lawn and my lawn's kind of old and it's kind of dying. And maybe people are judging me. And think that mm-hmm. I don't, you know what I mean? They're making all these judgments and I can yeah. definitely see those aspects when it comes to, you know, what car you drive, how many degrees you have, exactly, how much money you're making, what are you wearing, right? We make all of these judgments about what people are wearing and I get it. Like we're built, we're wired to want to fit in because it was built for survival for us mm-hmm. as, a, as a species. Exactly, yeah. Community in order to, to, to survive, but mm-hmm. I, it's just, again, no judgments towards anybody. I just want that, that awareness that women or people should be thinking of is like, why am I purchasing this? Yeah. Just slow down. Exactly. Why am I purchasing? Exactly. Yeah. Be more intentional with your own purchases. And then maybe the companies will, you know, listen to that fingers crossed. (laughs) Okay. I want to dive into your modern day slavery 
Yes. Let's talk about that. So, yeah. So I will say that honestly, the environmental side um, or the diet, the, the downside, I guess, the environmental downside of fast fashion is new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said, like I kind of got into this, actually it was a high school project in my senior year. I was doing a project on sweatshops um, about Nike specifically, but you know, it kind of opened my eyes to a whole world um, that I had no idea about, um, which has only gotten far, far worse with the rise of fast fashion. Um, So there's some particular, um, well, I was going to say they're all, they're all guilty of this, right? Or not all of them, but a lot of them, especially the fast, 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 the fast fashion (laughs) brands. Um, So, I mean, I don't know if you remember in 2013, this is a good place to start. In 2013, there was a factory that collapsed in uh, Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. So in, in you know, reading up uh, before this podcast, I was reading about this factory collapse. And, you know, I remember when it happened and I remember that people were outraged and rightfully so. Um, but, you know, I found out, you know, earlier today, and like I said, in doing my research, so the cracks in that building were actually found the day before. Um, and the building owners like ignored warnings um, and made the garment workers go to work, right? Like they forced them to work. Um, and so, you know, over a thousand people died because of that. And, you know, I think it was over 2,500 people were injured uh, non-fatally. So then, you know, if they were forced to work, we kind of have to look into the conditions of these places that they're working. And it's like, oftentimes they're working with no breaks. They're working extremely long shifts um, for, you know, extremely low wages. Um, While, you know, the CEOs and founders of these fast fashion companies are making bank, right? Like, and even if they're made in the U.S., like people think that, you know, factories in the U.S. are better. Um, there is actually a popular brand. I don't even know if they're a thing anymore, um, but they touted themselves in the early 2000s as like, you know, sustainably made, like no sweatshops. Um, I saw their factory in Los Angeles with my own eyes. And I remember thinking then, even without knowing all of these things, I remember thinking like, damn, that doesn't look very good. Like, I don't think I would want to work there and say it was a good place to work. Right. So in, again, in and, and, research, and, good, and when they say like, good, like good for who, like they're thinking about poor people. Like exactly. And in the U S especially yeah. a lot of them are based in, in Los Angeles. And then it's like, yeah, we get like extremely impoverished people, like potentially like undocumented immigrants, um, just a whole slew of, you know, very marginalized populations. Um, so there's actually a current brand that is, you know, also, you know, has factories in Los Angeles. Um, and I came across an article just in December, the New York times reported that they owe millions of dollars in back wages to employees at these factories in LA. Right. And so when you say modern day slavery, like when, when you say slavery, people think of, you know, slavery in the U S right. Um, but that's not necessarily what it, always is right so it could be the factory workers um also there's an area of china which um a very popular fast fashion brand does business in um and 
you know, reports say that over 500,000 people in this area have been forced into labor. Um, so, you know, indentured labor is slavery, right? They're, you know, being forced to do hard labor. They're in this particular area, they're picking cotton. Um, it's called the Xinjiang region of China, if anyone's interested in reading more about it. What um, fast, can, do you remember what fast fashion brand it is? Yes. Are you, are you comfortable <laughs> sharing? Yeah, it's okay. Shein. I told my partner before this, I was like, I'm going to try to make this or not make this a Shein hate fest because I know a lot of women, you know, especially in a lot of people that I've seen on my social media feeds, they're really into it. Um, and like, I get it. I know it's important to be fashionable for some people. And, you know, like, especially as a plus size woman, like I said, but I personally think that Shein is the worst of all of the fast fashion brands. So yeah, so they do business in the Xinjiang region of the US, or sorry, of China, which the US has actually warned against doing business in just because of the horrific human rights abuses that have been reported out of there. Um, so it's estimated that 80% of Chinese cotton is from this area and 20% of global cotton is from the wow. Xinjiang region. So actually, it's probably, we're probably even, we're all probably benefiting. Well, and yeah, and I was just going to say ordering from Shein. Exactly. I was going to cab that off and just say, like, I think it was in 2019, a coalition of human rights groups um, issued a statement and said that, you know, essentially the entire global apparels uh, trade was tainted by the, uh, you know, the forced labor and the cotton picking, um, you know, and the treatment of those workers in that province in China. So, so yeah, it's everywhere. And there, and that's where this gets even more complicated. Cause then you ask like, you know, whose responsibility is it? Mm. Like, is it the consumer? Is it the business? It's like, is it the government? We have no choice, right? Like we don't know if our, if our cotton t-shirt was picked in this region, right? Even if it says it was made in Canada, it could have been, you know, so it's very, very nuanced. Yeah. It is. It's it is really complicated. And I never, I don't want people to feel bad because at some point it's like, you know what, like we didn't cause fast fashion. We didn't no, develop exactly. fast fashion. We didn't say that people should run their companies like this. Like it's not the end user's fault that this exists. Exactly. And like, I mean, I, I wanted to say that in the very yeah. beginning, just like, yeah. I wanted to preface everything that I say as yeah. like, you know, a, not a judgment because I mean, I challenged myself in 2021, not to buy any non-thrifted clothing, but before this year I was buying fast fashion on a fairly mm -hmm. regular basis. Right. Yeah. And like with my Shein hatred, it comes up from a, <laughs> a personal experience that I had with some items that I ordered from there. Oh yeah. You so, mentioned the top. I, I think, think this is actually how this podcast how episode came about because I was complaining about Shein in my, in my uh, Instagram stories. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, it's that just how really, like it's so subpar quality, really. Like, it is, it's and that's, that's even before I knew about, you know, I know that a lot of fast fashion brands are not great, but like I said, there's, there's degrees, there's Sorry. degrees, it, there's degrees. Exactly. This one takes um, it to a new level and you know, like, but before that, like I have actually purchased from them. So, you know, I know people find good things there and they like them. So, and you know, it's funny, I've had clients reach out to me. They're like, what do you think about she? And I said, that is a business that I actually don't support, but you are, you feel free to yeah. order whatever you want. If you want me to style it, I will style it, but I, exactly. I, people, I don't support you know. it. 
I won't shop there for exactly. you. If you want to shop there, then that is that is your choice. And that is actually exactly. where, and that's, where I've drawn that line with Shein. And I've I've had these conversations with clients. Yeah, and that's like, kind of how I feel about it too. Like I was actually at Value Village yesterday and I had a Shein dress in my hands and I loved it. It was so cute. And I couldn't even bring myself to buy it at Value Village because I was like, I think it was 12 bucks, which is, I mean, probably what I could get it on the website for, but yeah. like, I knew I was like, I'm going to wear this once or twice and it's going to end up in the garbage or not in the garbage. Cause I have a project in mind for the kindness closet, mm-hmm. but like I said, not announced yet, yeah. but like it would end up being unusable as a dress very quickly. Right. Yeah. So yeah. And that's a, it's a, it's a person, it's a personal choice. And you know, I've had a lot of people ask me like, how do you know, how do you know what's good quality and what's not mm-hmm. You know, there's little tricks that I can give, like look at stitching, look at how mm-hmm. well things are stitched. Um, if there's like loose threads, sometimes mm-hmm. that's an indicator. A lot of it is, it's touch. It's me feeling the it's fabric. polyester. <laughs> but some polyester can hold up. I know, I was going to say, time. I know that there's some awesome vintage clothing made out of polyester that's yeah. like, that's a good time. That will last hundreds of years. Yeah. But sometimes you can just feel you just yeah. know the fabric and it's solely through experience of me purchasing it washing it once going oh this is a piece of shit <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and so you know I think some of us can be researchers some of us can dig in deep there's tons of of women who've dedicated blogs their instagram to solely talk about slow fashion mm-hmm. um and maybe I'll try and find some for people. I was going to say, I have a couple that I follow that are really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if you can send me that list and yep. maybe in the show notes, I'll find mine and you'll share yours. And yeah, that's a good place for people to start because it, yep. it's a lot of information. Cause like you mentioned, you know, there's the environmental impact, mm-hmm. but it's so nuanced. I've listened to so many podcast episodes where basically from what I'm hearing is like, it doesn't matter what fabric you're using. It's all going to have some kind of vi- environmental exactly like like even cotton like it requires tons of water so much water yeah (laughs) right and you know but there's there's again it's varying degrees then you think about like the I know about um microplastics Mm -hmm. that are in our clothes we wash them the microplastics then go into our water and then it goes Mm -hmm. into our water beds now we have like mini plastics, right? Yeah. Like I know it's so complicated. It's just like, and I think like that's where it really comes down to like, like you said, like some people can be the researchers, like, you know, some people are going to share the information. And I think like, that's where it really comes down. Like people are going to have their different causes, right? Mm-hmm. So none of us are perfect. No. And like, we were all born into this world without having any control over what's going on. Right. Um, well, not any control, but you know, when we're born anyway. Um, so yeah, it's just about, you know, making the decision that works for you right it works for your financial situation works for your whatever situation yeah and yeah yeah I think what I I guess I think I what I want women to take away from this is just start to just to start questioning this yeah exactly How, how important is it to you what are the consequences you know there's an environmental impact you know fast fashion then makes a piece almost unusable unless mm-hmm. there's some cool project you're doing um, <laughs> you know they can reuse the clothes um but then we have like the amount and I don't I've seen statistics I don't know off the top of my head like how much discarded like how much clothes are in I have our- some stats okay. here in front of me if you want me to pull them up sure, sure. um okay so I did get a couple so yeah so apparel companies make 
53 million tons of clothing every year. So 53 million, one, one ton is 2000 pounds. So that is 106 billion pounds of clothing that's made every year. And in the U S alone, 22 billion pounds is thrown out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it makes you wonder that's in the U S alone. So it's like, what are the other major countries? Um, what is the whole other part of the world combined, right? Like if the U.S. is throwing out one-fifth of it, um, and again, not to, to hate on the U.S., I mean, they're a huge country and they have a lot of people, but like, yeah, it's quite scary actually, like hearing the, the numbers in the landfill. So let's talk about some alternatives. And so yeah. say, say you can't completely go, you know, there, there's, if you want to slow down consumption, mm-hmm. slow down the throwaways, slow it down, all of that, you know, what are some alternatives? There's, you know, shopping secondhand only. Yep. So that's what I was going to say. So I think it's important for me to mention again, like again, no judgments, but it's like, that's why I've chosen because I personally, I'm not in the budget range right now where I can afford a lot of these sustainable brands, right? Like I want to support them and I probably will like pretty soon with some like capsule pieces, Mm -hmm. but for me, like, yeah, thrifting, you know, Facebook groups, Instagram pages, like all of that. Very important. Yeah. And the downside of that is it's very time consuming. Yes. And so that is something that I've kind of grappled with because since I've gone thrifted only, I've gotten the most compliments on my clothes that I've ever gotten in my life. And I, I find myself thinking sometimes like, oh, well, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. Right. But it's like, I literally sell re- like it's easy clothing as a business. Right. I'm there all the time. So it's like, when I think about that, like, like I said, I was at Value Village yesterday and I left for, with one thing for myself. So it's like, if I wasn't going, you know, once or twice a week, I would, wouldn't be able to live with one dress. Right. So it's like, yeah, I totally get, it is time consuming. If you don't have access to a vehicle, sometimes they're off the path of like transit. Or you're a single mom. Exactly. Well, I remember actually, like I used to, when I was a single mom, I used to take myself, we used to go to Value Village all the time. So I thrifted a lot more then Mm -hmm. I would get all of his toys secondhand. um, I would bring him and he loved it because he would go check out the toys, but it's still, it's still time consuming to go and sift through all of that. Where I find now my biggest struggle is honestly, it doesn't, a lot of the secondhand clothes that we have locally that I have Mm -hmm. access to doesn't speak to my personal style. Mm -hmm. And it it doesn't mean that there hasn't, like if I find something secondhand, like I like it more like shopping Instagram versus going to value village because I can quickly scan. I can look at colors really quickly. And even me with all of my tools and tricks of the trade, I can still go to value village and probably shop a lot quicker than other people. Mm-hmm. And I've had work with one-on-one clients where we only shop secondhand and we, we had success, mm-hmm. um, but it definitely slowed down our options because right. it was adding more time of searching. Yeah. Um, but you know, I really struggle. A lot of the pieces don't speak to my personal style. And like, more importantly, like when I think of jeans, like most of them locally, it's all low rise that are secondhand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like wearing low rise jeans. And so you know, they're, they're, I feel the jean struggle. Yeah. Right. I haven't had to buy jeans yet this year. So they're still the fast fashion ones that I've had since last year, <laughs> but I really love Poshmark. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was actually selling on Poshmark for a while. Um, but I decided Instagram was only, was 
just it for me. But yeah, no, it is awesome. Like yeah, there's and I find great finds on there. Yeah, I find Poshmark. I mean, they definitely have vintage clothes, but they do yeah. have more um, brands that I would not have access to shop secondhand. Like I've gotten some J Crew stuff, which yep. I, I like some of the J Crew stuff. I've been able to get that. Um, Everlane, which is one of my um, favorite. I found brands. an Everlane button up the other day at Value Village, and I was oh, so excited. <laughs> I was like so excited. Anyway, so, you know, I love, I like Poshmark and I like Poshmark because there's yeah. a search engine involved. So you can really filter so that you can search. You can just say, this is my size. This is my shoe size. This is my yeah. waist size. And then what it does is when you search, say jeans, it will only bring up jeans that are in your size that are available. Exactly. So that saves. So again, you know, there's the downfall of time consuming mm-hmm. shopping secondhand, but we have alternatives. We have other options. And I, I, I love Poshmark for that because I don't have a lot of time and mm-hmm. I'll be honest, since my job is in clothes, I don't want to shop for myself. Like yeah. I, in my spare time, I don't want to be shopping. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, and that's like, I really like hearing like your thoughts on this because a lot of people have negative thoughts about, you know, reselling in Poshmark and that kind of thing. But for the exact reasons that you're mentioning is why it's so important, right? Like for me, um, I choose to keep my prices pretty low mm-hmm. um, just because I want it to, to really, mm-hmm. really be accessible, especially mm-hmm. like I just, my, a lot of my, my aim also is to keep it out of the landfills, right? It's just, yeah. I want to turn it around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, like you said, takes the time out of it, right? Like it makes it accessible to those who, who can't go to the thrift store. And like I said, that's something that I've even, I've even forgotten about myself, but uh, the people around me like to remind me <laughs> of that yeah. too. So yeah. yeah. No, and I love that. I love that your goal is to keep it low price so it's accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an important decision as well um, as an alternative, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that needs to be available for people too. Mm-hmm. And so, okay. So some alternatives to, to always buying fast fashion is buying secondhand. Yep. My favorite, my favorite alternative though, this is, is just being more purposeful in our buying purchases. So say you do buy an old Navy pair of jeans, Mm -hmm. but if it, to me, like I get it, like I, you know, we have to think about, are they supporting sweatshops? I don't want to support that. I don't, but if in my mind, when it comes to even sustainability, um, if you're buying a pair of jeans and they're good, you know, and they last you, like I have a pair of old Navy jeans that I've had for years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I still wear them. Like, don't get me wrong. If they no longer fit your body, mm-hmm. don't force your body to fit into your clothes. Like, no, I'm not promoting that. If it doesn't fit you, release it. Mm-hmm. If it still continues to fit you and you're more purposeful and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm adding this piece to my wardrobe and I know I like it. I know it's comfortable. I know how it works within my own wardrobe. So like we mm-hmm. can talk a little bit, maybe even about capsule wardrobes, mm-hmm. capsule wardrobe is a whole other topic. And a capsule to me doesn't mean only 20 or 30 pieces. Yeah. To me, a capsule really is like every piece in your wardrobe has a purpose. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they can, you can create multiple outfits and reuse right yeah. and it, you know not one piece has to go with every single piece but you, yeah. you everything needs to be versatile in your wardrobe and so if you buy these pairs pair of jeans or this blouse you know what you're going to do with it and it's going to be in your wardrobe for a while mm-hmm. instead of blindly shopping without intention without purpose without a plan without any like without any idea of how this piece is going to work into your wardrobe 
Where are you actually going to wear it? When are you going to wear it? I have a client. This is a client I shop for. Mm-hmm. She sent me an email and she bought this dress that wasn't in her plan. We were done our shopping. I'm now shopping for like mother of the bride dresses for her. And this, she pops in this additional dress. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, how does it fit? What do you think? Does it go with the other things in my wardrobe? And so I was like, these are the list of questions that you need to consider before you decide to keep this piece. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, we need to think about, okay, you have lots of dresses now. We've shopped lots of dresses. Mm-hmm. So you really need another dress. You need another one. I need to ask and myself. Then, <laughs> and then I, I'm a sucker for dresses too. And yeah. I don't wear them often, but those are the things that can get out of control in my mm-hmm. wardrobe for some reason. <clears throat> And so I said, and then I said, okay, the next question is, is if you do need another dress or you do, or if we don't know if you need another dress, I want you to rate it compared to the other dresses in your wardrobe. Are you going to reach mm-hmm. for another one more than this, this more new than that one? one? Yeah. And then you need to think about where are you going to wear this dress? Mm-hmm. And the dress she picked is like, it was a little bit, it was not a casual dress. And so it, it wasn't going to live as easily in both world. So I was like, yeah. where, where are you going to actually wear this dress? And then let's talk about versatility. Okay. I knew, I know her wardrobe in it. I was like, I know you have shoes that can go mm-hmm. with this dress, but it's not in your color plan. And now you only have one layering piece that you can wear over it. Mm-hmm. I said, you want to be able to at least style your pieces at least minimum three ways mm-hmm. before it can earn its place in your wardrobe. Okay. There's always exceptions. Yeah. Like like special pieces like right and it's okay to have special pieces that are for you know I've walked in tons of wardrobes (laughs) where women show me their their Christmas sweater oh yeah (laughs) they wear I have a few of those (laughs) I had one client I love this story you're going into her wardrobe and we're going through her shoes and she and she she was like 60 plus she was she was a mature woman and she had these like four inch heels. And I'm like, where do you wear these? And she's like, oh, honey, we can't get rid of those. Those are my bedtime shoes. <laughs> I died. Yeah. And I'm like, nope, we can't get rid of those. Nope. <laughs> so it is okay for us to have a small percentage yeah. of our wardrobe. And how I teach my clients is 20%. Mm-hmm. 20% of your wardrobe can be those one-off pieces. You, maybe you can only wear it one way. Maybe you're only going to wear it at like a baby shower or maybe a funeral or that type of thing. But mm-hmm. I want my goal for all of my clients when I make their wardrobe plan for them is to get their wardrobe so that they're wearing at least 80% of their wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Now, life happens. Pandemics happen. Nobody was wearing 80% of their wardrobe the past year. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. That's Okay. But what I'm trying to teach my clients is be more purposeful with every mm-hmm. purchase you make. And so I teach my clients five tests mm-hmm. that their clothes need to pass in order to earn their place in their wardrobe. And mm-hmm. they have to pass all five, not four, not three, not two, not one, yeah. all five. And so that way it's slowing things down. Yeah. I mean, it's making you think, right? Like, yeah, you're, you're not settling anymore. Mm-hmm. You're being, you know, more and more purposeful so that you're going to end up going into your wardrobe and liking wearing everything. And so that, that doesn't require you to go shopping all the time and purging all of the time. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So we have alternatives to fast fashion is buying slow fashion, mm-hmm. buying secondhand, just being more purposeful, intentional in your wardrobe. Yeah. I was gonna say, I mean, there's also options like, 
specifically to do with like the clothes and not your behaviors, but just like trading with friends, borrowing from friends. Um, yeah, like the options are endless, right? And it's just people, you know, are very creative, think outside the box. Um, yeah. And yeah, make it work for you. Like I said earlier, that's the most important thing. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I used to, I was always known for my style. And in my old career, I used to bring in garbage bags and the into work. I worked with all women, like 80 women and yeah. they would like flock. I was going to say when you were saying like, keep buying and keep purging. Yeah. Like when I was a teenager, I used to do the same thing. I, I've been working since I was 14. I would go to the mall every weekend, mm-hmm. pick up a new shirt from American yeah. Eagle. And then every couple months, my best friends would come over. I dump it on the floor and they'd go wild. <laughs> yeah. Except my best friend. We do not have the same oh, yeah. <laughs> body shape complete. Like when I hug her, her head rests on my breast. Like mm-hmm. she could put my bra over her head. Like, no, 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 no. Sorry. Her bra would fit over my head. My yeah. bra, she would joke would cover one of her nipples. Like <laughs> so sometimes it could be, you know, challenging that way that all of your friends, like you're just, you're all different body shapes and sizes yeah. and that type of thing too. But no, and I, I like those alternatives. And again, no judgments towards any women, any small changes that we can make will all to me have an impact. Small changes, like I'm mm-hmm. not an all or nothing think, thinker. So mm-hmm. you made the decision and I love that you made the decision to do thrift only. Some people that's like, oh my God, I can't do that. You don't have to make that choice. No, and, and like choice, I said, like, awesome, right? yeah. And like I said, like, it's not like I restarted my wardrobe, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have had items, like I used to shop my, my wardrobe was almost exclusively torrid mod cloth and old Navy. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I still have those items. So mm-hmm. it's like that everything new I've bought myself well, new right. to me has been right. thrifted, but I still haven't come up against, you know, needing to get a black tank top or like right. I said, a pair of jeans, the basics. Right. Yeah. So that'll where that'll be where the true test is. <laughs> yeah. But, and I just think like, just make small changes here and there. And so yep. we're talking about who's responsible for changing this. I don't think as the end user, we are solely responsible. No, for absolutely not. This it's way know, above us. <laughs> absolutely you know, we can start some activism. If we feel passionate towards it, we can write blog posts, we can share information, we can sign petitions, we can go to our government or MPs. Like there's things that we can do for any level of person, how important this is to them. But if it's not activism, maybe it's just starting to make slow changes. And and eventually businesses will feel the results of you slowing down of buying their items. Like it's a supply and demand. And so mm-hmm. if, if the demand isn't high anymore, hopefully yeah. they'll hopefully. be forced to slow down yeah. production or possibly go to business. And I never want people to lose jobs. Like I don't, yeah. you know, when the pandemic happened, a lot of businesses closed because they, they couldn't mm-hmm. sustain it. And, you know, part of me, I'm, I'm this dual side of like, I'm sad that people lost their jobs, their dreams. I don't know how negatively it, this impacted them mm-hmm. and my heart goes out to them. But then the other part, the other part of me is the hopeful part of me is like, you know what, this company went in a business, they weren't sustainable. They were fast fashion. Yeah. They didn't have inclusive sizing. And you yeah. know, maybe it's making room for a new business that will be sustainable, yeah. that will provide inclusive sizing. And I'm hoping that we can slowly weed out over yeah. time. And I, and that's the thing, like, I think people and businesses, cause I mean, they're run by people, they can change over time. Right. Like I actually found out, um, 
just earlier today that in 40 Macy's locations in the U.S., they have a partnership with an American uh, thrifting website called ThreadUp. So it's like there's essentially little thrift stores in 40 Macy's because they've you know realized that reselling is huge and people are really into thrift. And like another thing I found out is like in 10 years, if reselling keeps growing at the rate that it is, like it could potentially be bigger than fast fashion. Right, like right. most of the market could be resold, thrifted, secondhand clothing, which is really awesome. It is. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And not enough companies are willing to adapt. But the thing is like, to me, the writing's on the wall. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I'm probably in this, you know, within my own tunnel vision on, you know, in the media, I, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing inclusive sizing. I'm seeing sustainable mm-hmm. brands. I'm seeing everybody talking about this and maybe I'm in a little bit of a tunnel that way because it's what I'm interested mm-hmm. in and I want to learn about, but to me, the writing's on the wall. People mm-hmm. need, the businesses need to change. Like yeah. it's, it's not going to get any easier for fast fashion to continue in my, in my hopefully. Yeah, no. And like, like no, this know, is something that I was left with. Yeah, this is something that I was left with too, because like some of the articles that I was reading, they were making mention like, you know, like historically it's been shown that, you know, people or sorry, brands don't lose a lot of uh, customers because they have bad labor practices, like because people either like forget or they Mm -hmm. misremember it or they unfortunately just don't care in some people's cases. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's really wild. Like all of this stuff, like it can, it's very nuanced and very convoluted. And it's just, yeah, there's a lot. Well, I hope anybody listening to this will take something out of it just to think about their clothes and where it comes from mm-hmm. and, and your relationship with your clothes a little bit in a, in a different way. That, that was kind of my goal with, with tonight's yeah, episode. Yeah. And like, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Like it's even made me think about some things that I hadn't thought about. So yeah, it's been really awesome. Open is there anything is there anything that you want to add that like that was in your list of things that I anxiously prepared <laughs> um you know I think I think that touches on like like I said like I didn't want to get too much into the nuance because like I don't want to like scare people away by going way too political um but yeah just like I hope that people um you know if you know, what we've talked about today interests you like I encourage you to look more into it you can even reach out to me um you know like I have been you know, watching documentaries on this, reading stuff for, you know, upwards of 10 years now. So it's like, I think I'm fairly educated on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just like challenge well, your thoughts, reach out, look for info. Yeah. Well, if you ever have the desire to dig down, de- dig down deeper and get more political, we can do mm-hmm. a part two. Okay. Well, <laughs> you say that now I'll send you my notes ahead of time. <laughs> You'll be like, Oh, she's real political. I, that does not scare me. I know, honestly. Like, yeah, I, I, I was like, I mean, the, the name of the podcast in itself kind of invites the yes. politics, right? So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. maybe send me maybe send me some of your political information and we can chat about doing a part two. Yeah, that would be awesome. Totally, awesome. Yeah. yeah, and that I think that'll give people an opportunity to digest this episode and start thinking mm-hmm. about it a little bit more. And then we can even dive deeper for those who are like, oh, I want to learn more about this. So. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Have a great night, Mike. Yes. This was so great. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Bye. I want to thank you for listening to the women disrupted podcast. Make sure you check out the show notes for any additional information or links about today's episode or guest. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, then hit the subscribe button and make sure you get all the latest episodes. Also, if you feel that anyone could benefit from this episode, then please share it or give it a review. The Women Disrupted podcast is sponsored by Simply Stylish Inc. and produced by James Higgins Productions. Stay disrupted, ladies.